sermon series this Sunday called Boundaries, all right? We are finished. Brian killed it last week in a good way uh, with our last one another's about stir one another up, and that was kind of put a pin in the one another's and how we're supposed to live in missional community with each other. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about boundaries, all right? Um, Some of us are really good at setting boundaries in our life, and you don't have to raise your hand, but just think, is that you? Are you really good at setting boundaries? <laughs> and some of us are really bad at setting boundaries, all right? And yeah, <laughs> Floyd's like, that's me. Um, and we're going to be talking about this for a couple weeks and all different types of ways we can set boundaries. I remember if this is probably back in a little bit ago, November, February, whenever the Super Bowl is, but our missional community was going to, was, we didn't end up doing it, but we we're going to get together and watch the Super Bowl. And so at our missional community, I'm like, hey, we're going to have a Super Bowl party if everybody can make it. You know, you know who can make it? And, I, and, you know, I started asking people. I just put people on the spot. Like, are you coming? And you know what people say when, they, when, they, when they're not sure or they want to say no, but they want to be nice? What do they say? Yeah, we'll pray about it. I had to pray about it. Or they'll say maybe. Maybe just means no. All right? Maybe just means no. I just take it that way. Um, but we asked, we was like, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. And then it got to my sister in Christ, Bridget, and she's like, no. And she wasn't mad. She's just like, no. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why no? Nobody says no anymore. And she's like, well, I have homework because I'm in college. And, I, and Sunday is my day to get it done. I don't care if the Super Bowl is going on. I don't care what is going on. I'm doing homework that day. And I'm like, Dang, look at those boundaries, right? Like boundaries protect really what's important in our lives. And for her, that wasn't a bad thing. And I think sometimes we say yes to everything because we are afraid that that if we say no, it's going to be mean. Or you know what I mean? So we just say yes and we just don't show up, you know, right? (laughs) Uh, But it's like I respected that. Bridget is somebody who has boundaries. And so if there's something she can't commit to, she will not commit to it if it interferes with something that is more important for that time. And I totally respect that. And I think it's really good to have boundaries. What our priorities are. And if it gets in the way, you block it. Whoops, that's not my guitar pick. Um, I think it's good as a church if we step back and talk about boundaries for a few weeks. Because Everybody here would agree we live in an incredibly fast-paced society, right? Like, I don't think we understand in the information age that we're kind of living in, is what they call this age we're living in, is the information age, how incredibly, incredibly fast-paced things are, right? Like, we go from deadline to deadline, appointment to appointment, school function to school function if you have kids, you know, and Every given second of our life is consumed with doing. Wouldn't you say that? And even before, like, before a lot of this automation came, we used to take times and, like, sit down and write checks, right? Like, we we don't even do that anymore. Like, I haven't wrote a check, and we have 10,000 bills that need paid every month, but ain't nobody writing a check to Netflix every month. They just take it out of your account, right? Nobody here, most people don't write a check to Consumers Energy. They just take that out of your account or your lights get turned off. Um, And it's like we just don't even pause for anything. Everything is, in every second we have, 
If we have a window of time, we feel like we have to fill it with something, don't we? And God, and like really, really what prompted this series is like the Lord has put on my heart about rest. And we as a church need to get serious about rest. And what I mean by rest is just taking a day off. Taking a day off where you're just really relaxing. And, you know, even if you got little kids and there's not a single relaxing day because the kids don't sleep in and, you know, you got babies at home, I get that. But thinking about a day of the week where we just chill and we sit on the back porch and we go walk around our yard and just look at the neighbor's houses and just talk to our spouses and just rest. And really, we don't give much time for rest. You know, if I had to ask here to raise your hands, if you feel like you don't rest well, I'm sure a lot of our hands would raise, right? I don't really rest well. And I don't think I rest well either. Because on Saturday, you know, or Sunday, whenever your day that's like typically free, it's like, I got to be doing stuff today. And if I'm not doing stuff, I got to be going out to eat because it's Saturday and that's what people do on Saturday. And I got to run and just, you just go, 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 go. And it's like, it's, it's, it's out of hand a little bit. So rest really what got me thinking about it. But I'm like, man, we could set boundaries with our families. We could set boundaries with our spouses. There's some good boundaries there. We could set boundaries with our kids. We could set boundaries with our health. We'll talk about that a little bit in a few weeks, and we'll set boundaries with rest um, and those type of things. So we'll, we'll get into all that. But today is really an intro to why we're talking about boundaries and, and, and how we get to that. Um, but the crazy thing is, in the fast-paced life that we live, that everybody just nodded their head to, during COVID, God slowed us all the way down. Do you guys know that? Like, I'm not saying like, you know, some of y'all might think that COVID was planned and it was, you know, some people think it was just is what it is. I don't know what your theory is and I don't really care at this moment. But I'm saying the reality is when COVID happened, we all had a lot more time on our hands. Some people started to exercise, and now they ain't got no time for exercising. Some of us went on, we just went on walks with our family every day because we had nothing else to do. We just went on a walk down the street. And now it's like we see our kids for like a half hour between school and sports. You know, we just got right back in the rat race, didn't we? And many of us just had time to relax and just sit. And there wasn't, there wasn't sports events, there wasn't school events, there wasn't church events, like there wasn't really anything it was just relaxing. And I think about that, like how much time people had, like back when, it, when Jesus was on the earth, I mean, they had to walk everywhere. So if you're like, hey, I have to go down to Grand Haven, you and your spouse would walk to Grand Haven. <laughs> and what do you think you do? They just talk. They just talk and, and rest and, and process. Some of us, you know, they even have self-driving cars. So while your car is driving you to work, you can now get something done while you drive. And, and eventually, that's going to be a thing of the past, right? We're not even going to be able to think while we drive. That's like the only time they think. People ask, I say, when do you think? They're like, in the shower when I'm driving, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, shoot. I just drive, and I don't even know how I got to where I'm going sometimes. I'm just like, I was so busy thinking about life. My mind was in autopilot. I ask people, when do you pray? Honestly, when I ask people when you pray, there's a handful of people that have really structured prayer times and they say, hey, I get up at 6 a.m. and I go down to my, my room and I pray for a few hours. Or I, 
few hours. I don't know, that's a long time. It's good for you if you do that. I pray for 20 minutes or 10 minutes and I read the Bible or listen to the Bible. And most of the time when I ask people, when do you pray? It's either A, when I'm driving to work or when I'm showering because those are the two times that I have that's, that I can pause life, right? And so I'm not saying that's wrong. It's just kind of like where we're at as a society. You got the shower and you got driving. <laughs> that's about it. Everything else is go, go, go. And so if we live that way, we're really not in control of our lives, right? If we're saying yes to everything, we're really not in control of our lives. We'll just do whatever the day happens to bring us, and we're, and we're running in circles. Um, so as followers of, of God we, and followers of Jesus, we need, to, we need boundaries. And we're going to challenge you um, to set boundaries for yourself, okay? Because when it comes to boundaries, nobody's going to do that for you. It's like when you're in high school and your teacher's like, hey, pay attention, because when you're in college— Nobody's going like, to look over your shoulder. It's all you. And it's the same way, people of God, we need to set boundaries for ourselves because literally nobody's going to set your boundaries for you. I tried to set boundaries for my wife. She didn't like it very much. <laughs> you know, like she has to figure out that. You know, I, you know, we set boundaries for our family. I set boundaries for my children. But there's going to be a day when my kids are going to have to just set boundaries for themselves, Right? I tell my kids, you know, one boundary, you know, health boundary. You could have a cookie after dinner, you know, and that's, that's it. We're at a family party in Christmas, and Grandma has 600 cookies out and just shoving cookies in their face every five seconds. And I'm like, no, you, you, you only could have one. What? Because oh. I know if you have 10, you're going to be sick. Too much sugar makes you sick. And then they go to a—then they, now they're getting invited to parties. My son, you know— who's going to be in sixth grade, he gets invited to parties, like class parties by himself. Mom and dad aren't even there. And I'm like, dude, you have to set your own boundaries if you go here. You can't drink 16 Mountain Dews and eat 14 pieces of cake and come home and be sick. You know, you have to figure out those things for yourself. And that's what we have to do is we have to evaluate our life. When we think about boundaries, we think about, I'm really talking about self-control. Okay, self-control. Um, in Proverbs 25, 28, it says this. I think it's going to be on the screen as well. Um, oh, there it is. Sorry. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So I'm saying in Proverbs, if you don't have any self-control, it's like a city whose walls are just knocked down. Somebody broke in, and now there's no walls, and the, and the walls were left down, and that's how your life is. And so what are walls? Walls are boundaries, all right? Um, now, cities don't really have walls now. There's not like a big gate where you have to go down to town Muskegon. Like, we don't have walls now. But back then, walls were a big deal. Walls were a very big deal. A city had a wall around it to make sure wild animals wouldn't just like roam the streets, right? It was to keep enemies out. You know, you had to go through a gate. And so, like boundaries that we're talking about today, they protect us and they give definition. They protect us and they give definition to our lives. And so, it's the same way like in a city back then, the walls kind of like showed you where the city was and wasn't. So you knew where to build your house. You'd be like, hey, Jeff, you just built your house by the trash dump. And he's like, I don't know. We don't have walls. You know, <laughs> I just built my house outside where it shouldn't have been built. And there was no definition. So our boundaries give our lives definition. And they also protect us. Um, keeps us safe. And it keeps our priorities safe and it gives direction. Many of us are living our lives without walls. And sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, 
It feels like our lives are out of control. And you might be like, wow, that's extreme. Think about it. If I was honest with asking about our lives, especially if you have kids at home or maybe your kids are grown, now you have grandkids or whatever that is, you feel like my life is just out of control. And when I go on vacation, it takes five days to really relax. Then you ever feel that way on vacation? It's like, oh, what do I do? I can't just sit here on this raft. I need to go do something. <laughs> it's like, no, God, God created rest for us to recharge. A day off is good, vacation's good, and it gives us time to process what's important. We need boundaries. So what are boundaries? I have two, two points, you know, two points of what boundaries are. Number one, um, boundaries protect what's important and give direction to our lives. They protect what's important and they give direction to our lives. So in other ways, if you're taking notes, boundaries protect and direct. They protect and direct. Okay? You like that? Nice little rhyme there. Can you give me a pity laugh? Think about roads. Do you guys know like roads have boundaries? Obviously, if you're driving, what are the boundaries on a road? Lines. We have like dumb little white lines that's supposed to prevent people from head-on collisions. <laughs> if you cross the dotted yellow line, you're going to die. So you got to stay on the right side of the dotted line. And, if, and you have a, a solid white line that kind of gives direction. So you can see boundaries everywhere you go. Um, boundaries on a path. There's boundaries on paths to so make sure you just don't wander aimlessly at Hoffmaster and get lost in the woods. There's boundaries on a balcony up there to make sure you just don't fall off. Boundaries are good. Boundaries protect what's important. And so today is more of an intro. We're not going to talk about anything specific other than helping you guys, hopefully you take time this week, and sit back and evaluate what is important to you in life and really evaluate that. And take time for that. Like what, what's, what's really important to you? And evaluate that. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys like have like the newer iPhones that give you an update of how much screen time you spent at the end of the week. I get like a screen time report every Sunday, and I'm usually depressed when I see it. <laughs> it says, you average three hours and 45 minutes of screen time a day. I'm like, whoa. Somebody's like, oh, somebody just judged me over there. <laughs> Some of it's calling people maybe or FaceTiming people or talking to people. But, you know, you think about that. We only have so many waking hours of the day, and a majority of that is spent at work, and then the other four hour waking hours of the day that we have are so vitally important. And so it's good to step back and say, what's important to me? You know, a good way, I went to a, a garage sale this weekend. Anybody, does anybody else like to go to garage sales? Okay. I'm sorry. I, I do and don't. I, had, I went to a garage sale this weekend because my neighbor was having a garage sale. And I'm just going over there to snoop around. All right. Let's just be honest. I'm just snooping around, seeing what junk he has. And he admits it's junk. Um, but at a garage sale, you can't really tell what's important to them, but you can definitely tell what's not important to them anymore because <laughs> it made the table. If something makes the table at a garage sale, it, it basically came this close from going in the trash. Like, honey, let's throw all this crap away. She's like, no, let's set it out and sell it for a quarter. And so, like, you, people do this when they have garage sales is they go in inventory, all right? Like, you know, this baby picture of our, our ultrasound picture of our kid. That's not going to get sold at the garage sale. It's important to me. This figurine of Santa Claus, that can go out there because that's not important. Dad's baseball cards. Actually, I want to keep those. I don't want to sell those. Uh, but what about this, like, bamboo turtle? You know, like, maybe we should sell that. Um, 
and like just the, the junk that they're about to throw away. It goes out there. And I feel like in our lives, if we had to do our lives like a garage sale, it's like we sometimes put our most important things on the table with our time, right? Like what is, if I were to ask all of you to make a list of what is most important to you, you could, I could probably just guess what most of you would say. You know, my children, my marriage, right? And then my job. Okay, like those are probably like some of the top three things that are really important to us. And because, like, why do we say that? Is because those are the things we spend time on. Like, we have to say our, our job is important to us because if we don't go there, they're not going to pay us anymore and they're probably going to get fired. So we have to make that a priority. Um, and then our kids, you know, our kids are a priority. And, and you see how our top three things are, not by what you say, but it's what you spend your money on and what you spend your time on. It's like, you want to know what's important to somebody, just look at, their, look at their checkbook. What do they spend their money on? It's usually going to be their kids, their spouse, or their house. You know, and then whatever else. If somebody's an avid golfer, they're going to spend money on golf. I'm sorry to admit it, but you can't really golf and not spend a lot of money on golf, right? Like, it's just, it just happens. So you can see what is valuable. And I know we think about this. When you make your list of what's important to you, it's like everybody— and I, I, if I had a whiteboard up here, I'd write it out. But everybody puts, okay, let me write out my list. What's number one? God, right? God's number one. God's up here, number one. Okay, what's number two? Okay, your spouse, okay? Family, spouse, so God, your spouse, your kids. That's my priorities, by the way, side note. I put my spouse above my, my relationship with my spouse. My kids are a close third. And then, you know, everything else is kind of a distant. So God, spouse, kids, up there. But in a way, and I heard this from a preacher this week, um, it's kind of insulting to God to put God as number one of your list. Does that make sense? Why would I say that? He said it's kind of insulting to God to put God number one, then my wife, and then my kids, because it feels like, in a way, that you are putting God in a slot of your life of importance. You know what? God's right here, just above date night. You know what I mean? Like, and it kind of compartmentalizes God to a fraction of your life. And as we all know, a people of God, God doesn't want a fraction of your life. He wants your whole life, right? So if you rewrote it, God wouldn't be number one. He would be the whole paper. He would be the paper in which you write your priorities. So in your marriage, how is God glorified in your marriage? Right? In your parenting, how is God glorified in your parenting or grandparenting? How is God glorified? In your job, how is Jesus Christ lifted high in your job? In your home ownership, in your finances, in your health. It's all about Jesus. Does that make sense where I'm getting at? Because I think we do that with our lives. It's like Sunday is, you know, God's hour. After that, kind of move on from that. Then I'm going to focus on my wife. And then, you know, I have, I have marriage counseling later today with, with a couple. And I say, God needs to be the center of every single thing on your list. He can't just be something that you tackle and kind of move on from. Does that make sense? And so it's insulting if we give God a slot on our list between yoga and, you know, work. It's not, God doesn't want that. He, and it shouldn't be that, all right? And so, where is God in your list? 
And I think about this. Um, I think about what Joshua said um, to the people, to the Israelites, um, in the book of Joshua, chapter 21. And if you have your Bibles, you could open to it or you could see the screens. Um, Joshua 21, verse 14 to 16. It's one of my favorite passages because I think what Joshua says is so cool to the people of God. And it's like, I don't know, it's just like one of the most awesome things Joshua says. And he says this, and, and I'm just kind of picking apart the middle of what he says. It says this, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He's saying, if you don't want to serve God, we'll pick somebody to serve. And he's saying, it's whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. If you like those gods, go ahead and serve them in whose lands you are living in. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, if you want to do that, do it. But as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. No, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that. We want God. We, we want to be like you. We want to serve God. But I just love what he says. He's saying, make a dang decision with your life. Like, figure out what your priorities are. Do not just coast through life and be tossed about like the winds and waves, right? Figure it out. Yeah, figure it out what's important. And it's like, it's like, hey guys, it's like me saying this to the church. If worshiping money is what you want to do in life, go for it. Work hard. Work seven days a week. Like invest. You know, do whatever you can. Get as much money as you can and go hard at that. If climbing the corporate ladder is what you want to do, man, you better start making every meeting, working late hours, impress your boss, kiss his butt, climb the corporate ladder, get that position as the vice president, and go hard at that if that's what you want to do. Like, just do it and do it hard. And if you want to worship God, worship God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Give him everything. And he's saying, like, don't just be like a hand in every pot, a poker in every fire, kind of just dabbling here, dabbling here. It's like be all in for Jesus in every area of your life. And he's saying like, just do it. Go after it. And I just like what he says. Like I read, when I read that the first time, I'm like why is Joshua telling the people to go ahead and worship other gods? Because he's saying, if you're going to do it, do it. And he's saying, what you will find is if you sow dirty seeds, you're going to reap dirty fruit. And it's better that you sow a lot of dirty seeds so you see that dirty fruit and that rotten fruit of all that you've invested your life into. And it's like, just go, do it. And it's like, we need to figure out why we're here, why we're here on earth, what our purpose is, and we need to go after it. 100%. You know, too many people run after the wrong things and their fruit's rotten. This weekend or uh, this past week, I talked to somebody who's, I mean, they, they no longer go to J-Road. They used to go to J-Road. They no longer go to J-Road. Um, you know, I have a few of those conversations walking around, seeing people at my or whatever. And I love everybody, especially people have to leave J-Row. They tell me, 
they, you know, they're leaving for this reason or they have to do it for this reason. I mean, God bless. I'm glad you talked to me. I hope, my only hope is I don't care if you don't go here anymore, but I do care that you go somewhere, right? Go somewhere. Find a community. Be somewhere. So I'm like, you know, where are you going? Elephant in the room. I don't see you anymore, but where you go? You know, I want you to go somewhere, you know? And it's like, yeah, you know, it's been, you know, we haven't really gone anywhere. We've gone a couple places, and now we're just kind of not going anywhere. Like, what? Like, dude, life is too short to be, it's like we're serving the God of the universe who sent his son to the cross to die for our sins, and he didn't die so you could sleep in and just, like, piss away your life. If I could be coarse a little bit. Am I right or wrong? I mean, and I'm not saying that going to church is like everything and you can't like miss church ever. I'm not saying that. But you don't have a missional community. You don't have a church community. You don't have a small group. You don't have a Bible study. And your kids are going to be 10, 11, 12. And all they see is mom and dad don't really care about God anymore. They used to. Now they don't. And it's like, what are you doing? It breaks my heart. It should break your heart. It's like, go somewhere. Man, I'll talk to Steve at Port City, man. I'll get you plugged in there if you want. I'll talk to these guys, you know, up at Christ Church and maybe serve there, be on the worst team there, do something. But don't do nothing. And it's like, it, it's usually a sign that they're just floating through life. You got soccer three days a week. You got band camp. You got this. You know, God is just... Pfft. Like, man, God's too big for that. And it's like, we, and life is too short for that. Your kids are going to be 18. And you only have a few more years with them kids. And, and they're going to see what mom and dad thought was important. And, I, and, it, and, it, and it hurts me. So, sorry if I cussed in front of any kids. Um, I've heard this preached so many times, and I wrestle with this sermon a lot, uh, this passage a lot. But do you guys remember when Jesus said, I don't like you being lukewarm? And I believe it's in Revelation. And he's like the lukewarm church. And he said, man, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. But this lukewarm stuff, I want to spit you out. And I just think, like, I've heard many sermons on this with very different applications and very different interpretations of what this means. But the way I think about this a lot is, like, I wish people were either going 100 miles an hour in this direction away from God or with they were going 100 miles an hour in this direction towards God with all this passion and zeal or I wish they were like screw this I'm never doing this again and going in this direction but just to be like eh, I go sometimes I don't sometimes I'm just kind of this lukewarm business and it's like ah it's like God doesn't want us to be lukewarm he wants to be on fire right and it's like it's like I just think about that a lot I'm like what are we doing? And that's kind of what boundaries are about, is like protecting what's really important to us. You know, we'll talk one about just our health. And we don't talk about health a lot in the church, but it's good. Like, what are we, how are we treating this temple that God's given us? And are we going to have time on this earth? You know, are we using it for the best of our abilities? Are we just filling it with, you know, Mountain Dew and cigarettes? You know, or, and, and like, is that going to make us die a premature death and miss out on more of the mission God has for us? You know, it's like, We'll talk about these. And what's more important to us? And it's not like God is going to be one of the boundaries. Like, make time for God. It's like, no, every boundary we set, whether it's with our children, our family, our work, 
our health, our money, all of that incorporates the Lord, right? The Lord is the Lord of your marriage. He's the Lord of the Lord of your kids, of your finances. It ain't compartmentalized to a little section. So boundaries protect what's important to us, and we all have to figure out this week what's most important to us. Okay? We have to figure that out. And, and the next thing is they give direction to our life. They give direction to our life. Um, I think about these two guiding principles, like two sides of the road. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, people said, you know, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And like the commandments kind of give us direction, right? Like the, the Ten Commandments, don't steal. Shouldn't steal. God doesn't like stealing, all right? So that's a boundary right there. I'll never steal, all right? Um, and Jesus says this, you know, he said this is, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The worship team can come forward and get set up if you guys want. We're about done. And we're, gonna, we're also going to take communion here in a minute. Um, but I think about like these just two simple ones are boundaries that you should live your life by. Is like, and you could say this, like, is what you're asking me to do loving my neighbor as myself? Is it stealing? Is it ripping off my neighbor? Is it coveting my neighbor? Is it, is it taking advantage of my neighbor? If it is, I shouldn't do it, right? Simple boundary. So if somebody says, hey, you know, this guy has a ton of stuff in his backyard. He wouldn't care if he took it. It's like, is that loving my neighbor like myself if we took it? No, no. So that's a boundary that you set for yourself. But, and, and it's like being, like, we'll, we'll talk about these more. If you just have these two boundaries, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that'll be good. Those are two simple boundaries until we meet next week. Is what you're doing loving the Lord God? Like, how do I love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul? Well, believe it or not, grab this because I'm going to need it here in a second anyway. The Bible, this is my first Bible that I got after I got saved, and I still use it. It's all marked up, and I really like it, and I have notes in there about what was going on in my life at that time. In this book will tell you how to live your life. It gives direction. And not only that, it talks about Jesus. It talks about him, and you read it. I, you know, I've read through the Bible a number of times already, and I learn something new about Jesus every time. I love you, Jesus. I want to learn about you. I love my wife. I want to learn about her. When we go over to a parent's house, I love to pull up old photo albums and just look at, you know, my wife when she was a baby or when she was a toddler. Like, this is so cool. I didn't know you had that. I had that, you know. It's like, just I want to know more about her. I want to know more about my kids. I want to know more about Jesus. So I listen to the Bible. I listen to preachers preach on the Bible. I, you know, I don't listen to things that glorify the flesh. I pray to God because he's given us full access to his throne room 24-7. And he says, come talk to me. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. And we're like, busy. I got work at 6. And when I get off of work, I'm busy until 10. And I'm too tired to pray. Sorry. It's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul. If you have to get up at 4.30 a.m. and go to bed at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m., that's okay. That's all right. If you have to sneak away at your lunch break and go in your car and just pray because that's the only time you really get alone, do it. Like, just get to know him. He's waiting for you. He loves you. Read this. 
Listen to it if you're not a good reader. A lot of good ways to listen to the Bible. It talks all about them. So we're going to take communion. And what I want us to do is the worship team is going to sing the first part of this song or part of the song. When they do that, you guys can come up here and grab the communion elements and then go have a seat. And then we'll partake together. All right? A couple boundaries we have with communion is we want you to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ or have accepted him as your Savior. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, um, just don't take it right now. We could talk after service. Um, and if there's any kids here, like parents, that's your responsibility to make sure your kids have accepted Jesus. Um, but the, the communion is a good time to just sit and reflect. The Bible says examine yourself. Look at yourself. And ask forgiveness if you need to ask forgiveness. Tell, make God your priority if you feel like he hasn't. Confess some things. And then we will partake together and we'll sing the rest of that song. Okay? So let me pray for us. And then I'll put the communion out. God, thank you for this message. I know it's sort of a gut punch to us a little bit, but it's good. I feel like what Joshua said was such a gut punch to the people. And what their shock must have been when he said, go worship those other gods. If that's what you want to do. See what that gets you. See what fruit that produces. And God, I pray for us that we do not become a lukewarm church. But we just know what our priorities are. We know what our boundaries are. We're intentional about setting them. And you're at the center of it. We just don't waste our life. We know you have a mission for us is to reach the world, expand your kingdom. And God, we want to do that. So God, we love you in Jesus' name.